Nehemiah chapter number 6, we find uh, four different things that Satan uses, uh, or he used in Nehemiah. And the truth is, if we take a look at the tactics, if you will, I guess would be the best word to use for it. Uh, if you look at the tactics or the methods that Satan often uses in our life to get us to, um, to be distracted from what God's given us to do, to, to get us to get our eyes off of the Lord, the truth is we can look at Nehemiah chapter 6 and see very clearly that Satan still uses these things. Um, they're effective, uh, and Satan knows that. And I hate to give the devil any more credit than, uh, than, he, uh, than we do uh, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that it's impossible to defeat these things because we've got the promise that Jesus, that, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that Jesus can overcome these things. And uh, with the might of the Lord and with his power and with his strength, and if we walk in the Spirit, we can have the ability to withstand these things. And so last week we began talking about this. Now, the uh, wall has been built. There are still a few gates to finish up and a few finishing touches um, but for the most part, the, the city has uh, succeeded in building these things. And, of course, there's that group of folks that, that do not like what, what Nehemiah has done here. They just don't like it. Um, and we said that before. There are certain people um, that, are, that maybe are influential, maybe have some power and have some influence and have the ability to incite large groups of people that can oppose and often do oppose what God is accomplishing in this world. And we see that happen even in our lifetime, don't we? Um, how the news media and how people in leadership and in authority will, will cause the things of the Lord to be minimized or to ridicule them or to uh, cause them, uh, in the day that we live, we, they call it hate speech and they call it um, uh, things that you know, we're not allowed to even supposed to talk about. And the truth is all we're doing is proclaiming the Word of God. And so we find that when God is doing a work, when God starts to do something, oftentimes there will be opposition. And so we found that over these last several chapters, that we have Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, and all of these fellows are, are constantly trying to uh, stop the work. They're trying to throw a wrench in the machinery. They've even threatened them. And uh, so we get to chapter number 6, and we stopped here at the first part of chapter 6 last week. We gave you the first one. And uh, in verse number 2, the Bible says that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief, and I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. And so we said last week, right at the end of Sunday school, that the first tactic that Satan often uses is to get our focus on the wrong thing. I've shared the illustration so many times before. Years ago when I was in Florida and I was married and uh, we would have company come over to the house, my wife was fanatical about the house being clean. And we as men, you know, we want the house to be clean, but we know, we know that these people know we live there too, right? I mean, if, if you've you got the smudge on the window, it's not the end of the world. They know we live in this house. It's not a museum. But, uh, but you know, ladies are different. You know, it's got to be meticulous. It's got to be impeccable. I mean, you can't have a smudge on the window or anything. And so she would clean literally for days before company would come. And uh, then uh, we, we that lived in the house, you know, we had to walk on eggshells for the next two or three days, and we couldn't leave our dirty socks on the floor or anything. I mean, you had to be, like, really clean. 
and she would clean everything. And I've used the illustration before so many times. We had a large living room, and we could sit there, and there was a large bay window. And uh, if, if we had had company over and something would happen outside the, the house, um, and it would draw everybody's attention to look outside, uh, oftentimes we would all look, and it, you know, you'd look outside and see what was going on, and we would all see what was going on outside the house except for my wife. And my wife would see the smudge or the piece of dirt that she missed on the window. And the truth is, we were both looking the same way, but it depended, what we got out of what we saw depended on what our focus was on. And oftentimes, we can all be looking at the right thing and seeing the same thing, but depending on where our focus is, will oftentimes determine what, what we get out of it, what we understand about it. And uh, so it's very, very important that we not go through the motions of serving God. But that when we serve God, we do so because our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Satan comes into our life and he tries to get us sidetracked, the first thing that oftentimes he tries to do is to get our focus uh, distracted. Uh, We are spiritually ADD many times. That's part of our human nature. And uh, little things can happen that will distract our spiritual growth. Uh, He'll put a little burr under our saddle for some reason. We'll get a little agitated or upset over an issue and we will focus and we'll make that molehill into this giant spiritual mountain. And we'll spend all of our time battling or fighting over that and not doing the things we're supposed to be doing. And Satan sits back, I believe, and laughs because he got us to lose our focus. There's two things I think about this that are very, very important. Number one is he always packages it really well, doesn't he? He, he makes it look like it's a good thing. I mean, here's saying about Tobiah. They've been, they've been fighting Nehemiah all these, all these however long it's been. From day one, they've been opposed to him and against him. And all of a sudden, it seems like, it seems like they're offering some type of a compromise or an olive branch. Hey, Nehemiah, I'll tell you what. You know what? We've been against you on this thing. I'll tell you what. Why don't you come down and meet us? Let's sit and talk about this thing. You, you can see how that could be somewhat appealing after the battles that Nehemiah has faced with regards to these people. I mean, they have already incited other nations against them, other groups of people against them. They've already threatened military action. That Hey, we're going to come in. I've got all these people lined up, um, the Amorites and his, all these other ites. I've got all these people that are going to come, and they're going to, they're going to come and, and defeat you. They, they've already gone through that. And, it, and really, if I'm in Nehemiah's place, and these people who were threatening me and had the power to do something about it uh, said, Hey, I'll tell you what, we're not going to come beat you up. Uh, why don't you come down? Let's talk about this, see if we can come to a compromise. By the way, that's why a lot of our churches are in the shape they're in today. Because a lot of preachers have come down off the wall and said, we're going to dialogue. We're going to discuss this. There's disagreements, and we've been fighting all of our lives, and we're tired of fighting. Let's sit and talk. And the work of the Lord has stopped. And so Satan packages it nice. He does. And oftentimes in such a way that we don't even realize what he is doing in our lives. We don't realize that he's causing our focus to get off of the Lord and onto other things. And uh, the second thing is he's very persistent. Uh, the first time Nehemiah sent the messenger back and said, I'm not coming down, why should the work stop? The Bible says that he sent four times. And isn't that just like Satan? He doesn't try one time and then you resist him and he says, okay, he's too strong, I'm going to leave him alone now. No, no. <laughs> he's going to come after you again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and he's persistent. And it helps us as God's people to be aware of this so that we are more 
uh, alert, I guess would be the word, more diligent to watch for these things in our lives and to be able to resist them better, knowing that this is just something that Satan's trying to accomplish. And so we find that he tries to direct Nehemiah's focus away from the work and to get it focused on, hey, let's have peace. Let's, let's come up with a compromise. And he tried to get Nehemiah to shift his focus and make that the priority of his, of his uh, work and labor. We get to verse number 5. We'll see the second. That's kind of where we left off last week. So verse number 5, Then sent Samballot his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand, wherein was written, It is reported among the heathen, uh, and Gashmu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel, for which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king, according to these words. And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee in Jerusalem, at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and how now shall it be reported to the king according to these words? Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. And then sent I unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. The second thing that he'll do oftentimes is he will falsely accuse you. He will cause people to question your motives. That's exactly what he did here. He said, Nehemiah, I've got, I've got letters here and I've got a witness that says that you're inciting the people to make you the king. And you've done all this so that you could be set up as the king of Jerusalem. And, and because of this, because I have a witness and I have papers, I'm going to go and I'm going to report you to the king. If you don't come and talk with me, I'm going to go tell him you're inciting the people and trying to overthrow and become the king yourself. And he takes this, this false accusation and he throws it. And by the way, how often does Satan do that? He may, he, have you ever thought about this? It's not always from an outside source either. Do you know Satan sometimes does that in our own hearts about our own lives? I think often of the Apostle Paul. And I have to think this, that when Paul started serving the Lord and was so fervent in serving the Lord, that there was criticism of him. Is not this the one that used to kill? And, and the Bible tells us that happened. You know, one of the, the worst things I think that can happen is when we falsely accuse ourselves. I'm sure in Paul's mind, he had to battle. Well, who am I to be preaching right now? I, I, I mean, these people, they have a point. I mean, I used, to, I used to defy God. I used to kill Christians. And here I am trying to preach the gospel. Maybe I'm a hindrance to the cause of Christ. Maybe I should just keep quiet and go home. By the way, aren't you glad that no matter how bad a man's life is, God can still pick up the pieces and use him? And, and, and oftentimes, Satan will use false accusations, sometimes internally. We'll begin to think falsely of ourselves. Well, I can't serve the Lord because of my past, because of what I used to be, what I did. No, God can always use you. All it takes is a willing spirit. All it takes is somebody who's submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so, don't just think that false accusations come from without, because sometimes they come from within. Sometimes they're part of our own mindset, our own thoughts. But then there are those times where we get falsely accused outwardly, don't we? And usually it's not telling somebody that we've uh, sinned or we've done something wrong. Usually it's in the area of our motives. Well, he's got a different, mo he's got ulterior motive for that. He's, there's a reason he's doing this, and it's not a right motive. He's, he's got other reasons in mind here. 
He's trying to gain power or influence or popularity or he's trying to become something. He's trying to become some kind of leader of the group. Or, and, and people will start throwing those things at you. If God tells you to do something, you can't come down off the wall. And these folks will, and Satan knows this will work. He does it all the time. He'll send false accusations against us. He'll get people to, to criticize and question our motives. Can I tell you this? When, when we teach on serving the Lord here, and we've always done, I've always done this since I've been at this church. It took me a number of years to learn this. But our, our service to the Lord ought always to be based on the motivation of my love for Him. I understand some preachers preach it ought to be on obedience, first and foremost. I think obedience is something is the last resort. I really do. I think if I can't serve Him because I don't love Him enough, then I ought to at least serve Him because of obedience. I ought to at least be obedient to Him. But how much greater our service is, how much more joyful it is when the tribulation comes, when we serve because we love Him. And by the way, can I help you with this? When those false accusations come and they say that, that person's motives are wrong, we know better. Because we know our motives of our heart is because we love the Lord with all of our heart. We're trying to serve the Lord because of all of our heart uh, for Him. We want, to, we want to reach people with the gospel because we love Christ. We want to live right because we love Christ. We want to serve God because we love Christ. And when we have the right motivation, we don't have to worry about the false accusations that come our way. They question his motives. They said, you want to be king. Nehemiah just laughed at that. He said, I know better. I know better. He says, you're lying about that. He said, that's not true. He said, there's not an ounce of truth to it. And along with the false accusation comes the third tactic that Satan uses, and that is the tactic of fear. The tactic of fear. You know, the Bible says, perfect love casteth out fear. The Bible teaches us that we have not been given uh, to a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the idea that we need to serve the Lord with boldness, not fearing what, the, what they can do to the outward body. We need, to be, we need to be dedicated in serving the Lord. Look in verse number 8. He says, Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. For they, made all, or for they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. So when the false accusations come... And the fear is there. What is the result? What is the, uh, what is the remedy for that? Nehemiah gives it to us, and I think it's wonderful. How, how do we overcome when somebody tries to falsely accuse us or cause us to have fear? What, what is the remedy? Look in verse number 9. I love this because I, I think it's a wonderful example of what we ought to do. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. Now therefore, look at the next two words. What? O God, strengthen my hands. What did Nehemiah do when he was falsely accused of his motives and he was fearful? He prayed. He prayed. You know, it's amazing to me how often prayer becomes the last resort rather than the first. How often, and I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about in my life. It's amazing the battle that is, isn't it, sometimes? We get in these predicaments and we, we, we worry and we fret and we, we wonder what are we going to do and we're at our wits' end. And then we think, man, I can't do anything else. I might as well pray. Well, why didn't we think of that to begin with? 
Why didn't we preempt that by saying, I want to walk with God daily, and I want to, I want to be close to Him already before these things even happen? But when they happen, Nehemiah comes to God in prayer. Now, you know, we like to, we like to think ourselves overly spiritual. Well, amen, Brother Greg, I would do that too. <laughs> but yet in our own lives, when those trials come, how often have we tried to defend ourselves? We've struck back, we've written letters. We've posted on Facebook in defense of ourselves. We've done all kinds of things to try to remedy the situation as best as we could do it. Anybody here like to get criticized? Anybody? None of us do, do we? In fact, most of the time in human nature is, when I get criticized, I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to make sure everybody around me knows that's not true. You know what Nehemiah did? After he told Sam Ballot that it wasn't true, he went and prayed. He said, Lord, strengthen my hands. Don't let them get weakened by this. Help me to keep doing the work you've called me to do. Not to be distracted by it. Satan loves nothing else than to bring things into our lives. And I've said it so often before, one of the great questions of this book, of Nehemiah, is what does it take to make you quit? How often that is the question of my life. I, I, there, if we went around the room, I bet every one of us could give testimony of circumstances God or that have happened in our lives that either God allowed or, or Satan did in our lives. And how many times we were tempted along the way to, to just walk away from the Lord entirely and say, you know what, if this is the way Christianity is, I don't want any part of it. There are times those things happen. If you haven't reached a valley that low yet, you can rest assured it's going to come one day. Because there always comes these times that Satan is going to bro uh, uh, do all these things that falsely accuse you, cause you to fear. And what are you going to do in that situation? What are you going to do in that situation? I, I'll be real frank with you, and I, I think I've shared this already here before a few times. There was a point a number of years ago, and I remember the night sitting in my chair, and I was praying and crying out to the Lord over some things in my life. And the thought came, the thought came in my head, Lord, after all I've done, after all these years of serving you, and this is what I get for it. And I mean, I was this far from saying I'm done. I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. If this is if this is the this is the reward I get for for serving, <laughs> and it didn't take I bet it wasn't twenty seconds later, I was under such conviction, and I thought, what am I saying? What am I saying? As if God owed me anything. God gave me the privilege to serve Him. It wasn't something that I had earned the right for God to give blessings to my life because of it. If God chooses to give blessings, He does that out of His long-suffering. He does that out of His grace, out of His bounty. Not because I've earned it. Not because I've deserved it. And there are times we'll be brought low to a place, and Satan's going to do these things. And he's going to try to get us to just say, I'm done with the Christian life. I'm just done. I'm going to walk away. What does it do? What does it take to make us quit? I'll be honest. Nehemiah's gone through a lot here. We can sit here in the comfort of 2021 
And with our life, all nice and neat and packaged, and maybe we have a few burdens here and there, but oh, for the most part it goes well. We have a good church, we have good friends, we have good family. And we can sit here and read this and think, well, I would do that too. I think I would keep going. But until you were in that, that position that Nehemiah was in, I don't know, would we? Really, would we? The hardship he had had to go through, the, 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 the patience he had had to have, the long-suffering he would have to have, the steadfastness. Verse number 10, it says, Afterward, I came unto the house of uh, Shimei, the son of Daliah, uh, the son of Mehetabil, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God. Now, this is one of the religious leaders, all right, just to, to help you out and let you understand who this is that's talking to him. And he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee, yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And, uh, and, and, and so we have here now a religious leader saying, uh, Hey, Nehemiah, uh, these guys mean business. I'll tell you what, they're going to come and they're going to kill you. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what let's do, Nehemiah. Let's go into the house of the Lord. Sounds pretty good so far, doesn't it? And let's shut the doors. You say, why is that significant? Because I think a lot of Christians today come into the house of God and shut the doors. They use it as a haven, and yet they never go back outside those doors and do a work for the Lord. They're shut up inside of it. Look with me, and you say... Look at verse number 10. He says, Let us shut up the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And I want you to notice Nehemiah's response. And I said, now, now he's not saying he shouldn't go into the house of the Lord. He's saying I shouldn't go into the house of the Lord and shut up the doors. He says, And I said, Should such, should such a man as I flee? <laughs> Boy, we need some men like that in America today, don't we? Should such a man as I flee? And the fourth thing that, God, that Satan tries to do is get us to run. Get us to hole up somewhere and, and, and not do anything for the Lord. To shut the doors, to quit the work, and to sit there and cower down. Now, I'm thankful that when we have uh, battles and we are wounded, the Bible says that He'll put us under His wing, and, and uh, we certainly understand that we can hide in Christ. But that's not to shut us up. That's not to put us in a place of no serving. That's to gain the, the strength and the protection of God. He is my fortress and my high tower, no doubt about it. But I'm not to go in there and shut the doors on it. I'm allowed. I'm there to let Him defend me, and then I'm supposed to go out and do the work. And so this religious leader in verse number 10 tries to get Nehemiah. He said, listen, why don't you back off for a little bit, come into the house of the Lord, Let's shut the doors up. We're just going to stay here. We're going to, and, and you know, a lot of that happens in the day we live. Somebody said years ago, the measurement of a church is not in its, send, in its seating capacity, but it's in its sending capacity. How many people are being sent from the church to do the work of the Lord? You can, you can fill up an auditorium and that church not be, not be growing not be thriving, not be a spiritual church. But when God stirs the hearts of people, it moves us to action. It causes us to serve the Lord. We don't shut ourselves up in the house of the Lord. We come into the house of the Lord to fellowship. We come into the house of the Lord to grow and to, to, to uh, uh, sharpen our axes, so to speak, if you will. But then we're to be sent. We're to be going out of that place, not shutting the doors on it. 
And so Nehemiah says, am I, am I such a man as I to flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Now, he wasn't saying he wasn't going to worship. He was just saying, I'm not going there to use it just strictly as a haven, as a refuge. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. What a travesty. What a, what a shameful thing for a religious leader to have his message bought and paid for. Now, I tell you this, there have been a few times in my life that I have been uh, in a meeting, I've been privileged, or I've, I've heard with my own ears folks that have come in and sat with a pastor and put demands upon him in his preaching. And I've watched with heartbreaking, oftentimes, that pastor, as they, in the meeting, turn to me and say, we cannot lose that family, so I'm going to have to change. Can I tell you this? There's not a person in this church I don't love with all my heart. But if any person in this church ever came to me and said, Brother Greg, you're preaching the Bible, and we, want, we don't like that, we want it to be changed, then I'm sorry, you're going to have to go find another church. And I don't mean that to be mean-spirited. I don't. I love you guys. But, folks, we cannot come down off the wall. We must not come down off the wall. And I don't care how... There's not enough money in the world to change the truth of God's Word. There's not enough leverage. And there's not enough wealth and fame and, and, and the desire to be liked by people that is worth changing and departing from the truth of God's Word. It is what it is. It is the truth. And so we study it. We learn from it. And so here, this man was hired to teach a message, or to take a message to Nehemiah. Therefore, he was hired, verse number 13, that I should be afraid and, and, and do so in sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. And once again, what was Nehemiah's response? Verse 14. My God, <laughs> he's praying again, isn't he? Isn't that amazing how often Nehemiah comes to God in prayer? My God, think upon Tobiah and Sambalat according to these their works. And on the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets that would have me put in fear. Nehemiah goes to the right source for the strength that he needs to overcome the tactics of Satan. Satan tries to get us to shift our focus that doesn't work, he begins to falsely accuse us. If that doesn't work, he tries to get us to fear. And he tries to get us to flee. May God give us some men and some women that when these things happen, we cry out to the Lord. And we say, Lord, strengthen my hand. Help me to keep on keeping on. Help me to do that which is right. The Bible says in verse number 15, so the wall was what? What was it? Finished. They didn't distract him, did they? They didn't cause the work to cease. The wall was finished. You'll find out next week they finished it in 52 days. What an amazing miracle. It was such that even the people around were upset about it. Because they realized that the only way this happened was because God had done it. And isn't it the wonderful thing when there are responses that we have 
where we respond correctly and biblically to the things that Satan attacks us with, that men can look at and say, God was at work in their life. Well, what a thought. What a thought. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Strengthen us, Lord, for the days ahead. We have no idea, Father, what the things are that are coming down the road in our future. We live in some very uncertain days. But, Lord, may there be one certainty in our hearts. May we purpose in our hearts. May we rest in You that we will be steadfast. We will be unmovable. And we will be always abounding in Your work. Dismiss us with your blessings. Bless the service to follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.